We uh, got pregnant, and again, we were now in a huge dilemma. We not only couldn't marry, we had this shameful incident that we had and didn't know how to handle it. Uh, for Joy, it would have meant disgrace, uh, going back home pregnant. And so we made the decision to adopt our baby out without telling anyone. And we were successful in that no family member, no one really knew. However, heaven knows and our heart knew. And the, the dilemma is that the wages of sin is always death. And so there was a huge damage done to our personal lives and to our relationship because of what we had done in secret. And that secret that remained there became a problem for us for, for quite some time until we were able to resolve it before God. And uh, we shared a bit about that last night. The outcome of that is that girl has been restored to us. I've had the joy of her being reconnected to our family and uh, had the joy of leading her to Christ, baptizing her, praying for her to get filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, marrying her. We prayed for her to, receive, to get a baby, and, and supernaturally she conceived. Uh, it's a whole story of its own of just how amazing God has worked. But there had to be an unlocking of the heart issues and the damage that have been done in the heart. And that's where I want to lean towards in, in ministering today. I'll start to open the word shortly, but you're just trying to connect with me and, and, and understand who we are. So best if I share a little like this first. And uh, we could go a couple of ways. One is just on how to minister and move in the spirit, which some of you are really hungry for. But I feel I should move in towards the areas of the, the heart and, and the issues of the heart and give you some understanding about why they're important and what some of those things are. One of the key passages we'll, we'll look at will be Luke 4.18. And then we're going to look into Psalm 84 and uh, about passing through the valley of sorrows. And uh, so, so there it is. That's some of our background. I, in university, I studied uh, maths and physics. And so I graduated with a master's degree in physics. And then here I am, a Holy Ghost man. Now, how do you, how do you, <laughs> how do you get like that? <laughs> because I only had one half of the brain trained, you know. I come out of university with one half, really big on this side, but the, the intuitive flows and the spirit dimensions just totally undeveloped. And God uh, supernaturally encountered me. And the moment I realized that God was real, the spirit world was real, I had this passion to learn about spirit things. And so in a very short time, we had uh, encounters in, in our home. We had demonic spirit manifested. And so that frightened and scared me to death. I was just lying there frozen like this. And I realized that's very real. And then I discovered then, if that's real, I've got to really find out how to deal with this stuff. And so what got us into involvement in the deliverance ministry, uh, the casting out of demons and ministering to people's uh, bondages, was an encounter with a spirit that so frightened me, it caused me to, uh, to wake up to the reality of a spirit world. And so we tend, because we're in a Western country, to think of everything from a secular worldview, whereas the Bible worldview is a spirit worldview. There's a spirit world interacting with the natural world. Things we do initiate things in the spirit world. Things the spirit world does have impact in us. And we'll help you understand a little bit about that. I'll do the best I can in the time we've got, and uh, just to expand your thinking around that. So I had a whole journey of learning how to develop the intuitive flow of the Spirit, how to work with the Holy Spirit. And so I understand it's quite possible to do it because I was trained one way and then I've learned how to develop the other way and I've learned how you bring them together. And uh, so hopefully we'll have some time to share some of those things. But uh, let's just look in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. I'm aware that people come from different backgrounds. So 
I'm going to start laying it relatively simply because there'll be things that perhaps some of you are not uh, familiar with, and I want you to be able to just uh, have room to think about it and see it in Scripture first. So let's have a look and for uh, Luke. Have a look and <laughs> have a look and look. No, have a look in Luke 4:18. Here we go. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so Jesus is announcing uh, where God is up to in his scheme. And he gives this famous verse. Now, I want to just go through it. and I want to open up some thinking around it to just get you to think uh, perhaps beyond what you've seen this before. Because it's very familiar. Everyone knows the verse. We just read it through. But don't often think through what uh, is implied in here. Notice he said, the Spirit of the Lord is one. The anointing of the Holy Ghost is upon me. The anointing is always to do something, to accomplish something. So when God empowers you with the Holy Spirit, it's so you can accomplish something with your life. You can accomplish living and uh, the life God wants you to live. You can accomplish moving in your ministry. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit constantly. Holy Spirit is a person given to us to empower us. But now notice... What Jesus said, the Spirit of God was on him to empower him to do. Now, most of us read the first one and, forget, and don't really kind of go much further. So it says, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor or to proclaim the gospel to the poor. So what does that mean? Now, at a superficial look, it's just, well, just preach. Actually, what he's really saying is this. My number one priority is to reconcile people to God, to address the issue of sin. The gospel is about how people are reconciled to God, how yes. we get right with God. So he said, my first priority is to address the issue of sin and reconcile people to the Father. In other words, to get them saved. My first uh, priority every time is to bring people into revelation of who the Father is and into vital connection with him by addressing the issue of sin. Number one priority. Okay then, now, but then he goes on, and says, it doesn't finish there. Now, we often read that bit and then stop there. But actually, he said there's some other things that go with it. And together, they make up what God is wanting to do in our life. It's actually a whole package of things God wants to work in our life. The second one is he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, what does it mean to be brokenhearted? To be brokenhearted doesn't mean physically your heart is broken. It means that there's damage to your soul. Damage to your inner man. And usually the people that can break our heart are not the people we don't know. People that break your heart are the people you do know, the people you have a relationship with. And so people become brokenhearted when they have a close relationship with someone and that person hurts them, disappoints them, betrays them, or in some way abuses them. That's how your heart gets broken. When you're in a connection where you're uh, close and vulnerable and someone does think something that is damaging to you, that's what causes the heart to be broken. So when uh, people are divorced, the children get brokenhearted. When uh, people are divorced, they become brokenhearted. Uh, when people are abused, they become brokenhearted. There's a damage done. Now, you can see physical damage from a physical wound. Uh, the, the skin broken, the skin bleeds. But you don't see the damage that's done in the heart because people are very clever at concealing it and managing it or trying to control the damage and stop further pain. So the, 
the standard uh, thing that we tend to want to do is to control our life when we've been hurt, manage the pain, and then what we say is, I'm going to move on. The trouble is, if you don't address the issues of the heart and the brokenness in the heart, bondages remain that give demonic spirits room to manipulate you. And then you, t you take this into every relationship you go. This is why you find people can go from one relationship to another and still seem to have the same ongoing problems. They never seem to actually ever resolve the baggage. And so there's a lot of language out there about it, you know, getting rid of your baggage and stuff like that. But the bottom line, it's the healing of the broken heart. This is the ministry of Jesus. Why does he want to heal your broken heart? Because he doesn't want us just saved. He wants us to enjoy intimacy in relationships. We're created for intimacy. So when there are brokenness in our heart because we've been damaged, we build walls in the heart to save ourselves. And what happens then is we have walls that we bring into relationship with God as well as with people. And so there are now damage to a heart connection in relationships in marriage, family, and also with God. And God is concerned about that. He doesn't want to just deal with the issue of sin. That's dealt with at the cross already. What he wants to do is to bring us into intimacy so our life can express him into the world. So to do that, we have to be willing to look at the issues of the heart. And that's where I will eventually focus to. I'm just trying to lay a foundation out so you can see that the bit I'm going to look at shortly, where it fits in the whole picture, okay? So Luke 4.18 gives you the whole picture. And so we're just going to take one piece out and just work on one piece and do a little bit on it. Okay, now, and of course, as I speak and share in this area, some of you will start to feel things stir inside you. It's inevitable you'll fear because the anointing is here to touch your heart. That's where we're going. And so you may find, as I talk, you'll suddenly become conscious or aware of emotions and feelings come up. Or you may become quite agitated. And that's quite normal for that to happen. It's just the things that are unresolved in the presence of the anointing and the teaching are starting to surface. Quite normal for this to happen. And it can be quite extreme in some places. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I was, I was in Singapore, and I just stood up and talked about the Holy Ghost, and suddenly the door bursts open. <laughs> There's 2,000 people there, and right up the top, you know, it's one like that, and right up the top right-hand door, suddenly the door bursts open, and this Chinese person, and she's holding a broom. She's obviously the cleaner, and she starts shaking the broom furiously, and she's yelling at me, and she's yelling out, why you come here? Why you do this to me? Why you come here? Why you do this to me? And, uh, but she's just manifesting a demon, that's all. <laughs> Everyone's shocked. <laughs> so I started to walk towards her, and as soon as I did, all the people in the rows started to manifest. I thought, I'll just back up. We wanna... Because we want to get people saved first. Once I start off a deliverance move, then we'll be going here for a long time. And so... Uh, we, we want to keep the main thing the main thing, which is bringing people to Christ. And we'll get into the other stuff afterwards. So, uh, so, so you can have things happen. So, so then you notice that the next thing he said doesn't stop there. He, said, he, says, he says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Uh, to proclaim, uh, in other words, a captive is a person who is bound in a prison. It's a person in a prison house. Isaiah, he refers to it being a prison house. So a person who's captive is in prison. Now, 
If you're in prison physically, you know it. There's a door, there's bars, there's, you, you can't get out. Your movement is restricted. And there is usually a jailer who holds you there, makes life hard for you. So he's talking here about being imprisoned by evil spirits, being held in captivity in a part of our life by an evil spirit. And uh, I don't want to go down teaching too much around that area just at this point, but Jesus came to set people free from evil spirits. He came to train his disciples or his followers to free people from evil spirits. You think in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says this. He says, he chose them to be with him. Well, we love that bit. Well, being a disciple, great. That he might send them out to preach the gospel. Great. We're already 100% on. And then he says, and to cast out demons. Okay, get your black pen and scratch that one out. We don't go, we're in the West here. We don't have such things, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> How come all the killings and shootings? It's demonic spirits behind driving people who are brokenhearted. Very simple. It's not hard to understand. Not rocket science. And so, so, so Jesus came to, his ministry was to, to train up people, send them out to represent him, preach the gospel, how men can come into the kingdom and live kingdom life, send them to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Why? Because the majority of cultures in the world understand fully and are engaged in interaction with the spirit world and have to deal with witchcraft, magic, sorcery, and all manner of things. And so when you're in cultures like that, the reality of spiritual power is very, very present and people are terrified of it. So they need someone who can actually demonstrate that the God we serve has more power than those gods. And if you can't in some cultures demonstrate the God you serve has more power than the gods they serve, they're not going to come to Christ. They don't come just because you preach the message. They need to see the power of God demonstrated. So, for example, I was in um, Indonesia, and uh, I had my son there. We were in a meeting, 2,000 people, something like that. And I'd asked them to set it up so we could train leaders first because I like to have a ministry team train before we start to do a lot. And uh, they didn't. It was a holiday, so they just set up a meeting. And now we had, I had 1,000 people. Sorry, we had about 2,000 people there. Anyway, three witch doctors had come to the meeting, and they were people who operated in the occult, and they wanted to they worked together to get the spirit or the power I had off me. So to tell the truth, I didn't even notice them. But what happened was, we're in the meeting, I'm just preaching, and we're preaching on deliverance. And what happened was they stood up to do their witchcraft, and the power of God hit them and threw them on the ground. And it was so quick, I didn't even see it. And they were stuck on the ground. And they could not get up. The only thing they could do was crawl. And they crawled out of the meeting. And uh, someone, <laughs> someone told my son, hey, there's some witch doctors over there and they're crawling out of the meeting. So he ran round to encounter them. And uh, two of them had got away. He got the last one, spoke and commanded the demons to come out. And uh, the guy got delivered and come up, got saved a little bit later. But they met a greater power. Yes. See, Amen. they met a greater power, the power of God. And uh, so when you read through Jesus' ministry, you'll find deliverance is right through the ministry, and it's included in the Great Commission. But here's the question. If the church does not even own that, who on earth is going to do it? Because only the church is authorized to do deliverance. And if we won't, because of whatever reasons, doctrine, theology, background, fear, then there's no ministry to touch this aspect of people's lives. So the church has got to embrace these areas of ministry. Any idea? 
I can see some of you thinking it's starting to rattle already. <laughs> it's okay. I'm wanting to do that, just to lay these things out. So notice then the next thing it says is now that's, that's three things. So the first thing was bring people to God, uh, deal with the issue of sin, reconcile them to God. Secondly is to deal with issues of the heart that block intimacy and relationship. Thirdly, separate people from demons that hold people in bondage, torment them, and drive them. Now just before I move on to the next one, many people struggle with the issue, or can a Christian have a demon? A Christian can have anything they want. But <laughs> really, really, they can. You see, the kind of logic is, well, a Christian's got the Holy Spirit, therefore he can't have a demon. Well, that's just lack of understanding of spirit matters. It's just as silly as saying a Christian has the Holy Spirit, he can't sin or can't get sick. You see, uh, the, part of the problem is because of poor theology. Part of it is bad translations where they use the word possessed. The Bible never uses that word. The Bible uses the word to have a demon. I have a cold. I have a tummy bug. I have an ache. I have a demon. That's the, that's the language it uses. In other words, it's saying you've got a spiritual bug that's creating a problem and a pressure in your life that uh, magnifies issues already there and makes them difficult for you to overcome. So evil spirits don't possess people. It's occasional. It happens when people are not saved. But when you get saved, you're purchased. Your spirit is redeemed. Your spirit has joined the Lord. The demons can't occupy your spirit. But your soul and your body, the Bible says your soul is being saved and your body will be saved. Both of those areas are territories that demonic spirits can and do invade and hold people under pressure. And most people, of course, don't even know when they've got a spirit. Because the demons never come in and say, hello, I'm here. They don't usually do it that way, you know. Uh, if you invite one in, well, then you know you've got one. But many people, they come in without them being aware. They come in as a terrorist. They're a spiritual terrorist. That's how they come in. They come in in secret. They come in and clothe themselves. And you don't really know that that's what you're wrestling with. All you're struggling with is you've got this pressure constantly, negative pressure, and you can't get the victory over it. And all the, uh, the, the encouragements and you should do this, you should do that, don't get you the victory because the problem is a demon that needs to be cast out. Can you idea? And so the Bible's full of them. There's a whole heap of examples of uh, Jesus' ministry in this area. But let's move on to the next one. The recovery of sight to the, uh, the blind. The recovery of sight to the blind. Now, it's interesting in that scripture there that he doesn't use the term heal the sick. You would expect he would have written down heal the sick. And I believe it's simply this. He, recovery of the sight to the blind has to do with restoration of vision. So to me, it makes quite a lot of sense that one God wants to connect us to himself, reconcile us to himself. Two, address the issues that block us from intimacy. Three, deal with the demonic spirits in us. Four, put vision in our life for what we're called to be and do to advance the kingdom of God. So God wants to, put, to restore vision, to put vision back in our life. Sure, it refers also to physical healing, uh, which is a part of the gospel mandate, but it also is about getting vision for your life because people without vision don't accomplish anything for the kingdom. So one of the things the Holy Spirit does in the anointing is, is to put vision into people's life, to begin to show them the possibilities, to open their spiritual eyes to see the realm of the Spirit and operate and move in the realm of the Spirit. Jesus said, I, I do whatever I see the Father doing. Well, what's that about? It means he had ability to see in the Spirit world what the Father was doing. Now, 
Uh, are we going to be different to that? No, we're called to do the works of Jesus. So if he said, I see the works I see the Father doing, I'll do, then he wants us to learn to be able to see in the Spirit. That's true. Amen. To have vision, spiritual vision, to see in the Spirit, have vision for our life, be able to operate in the realm of the Spirit, to become all, all God's people can prophesy, see in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. see? see see, how these things all work together. Now, the, I'll give you the last two, and then I want to move to where we want to go. Okay, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or downtrodden or crushed and uh, to set them at liberty or release them from a crushing load. Now, what I have experienced through life is that many people live under crushing loads. They live under burdens, pressures uh, that people have put on their life, demands that people have put on their life, things like guilt and shame, things like uh, expectations from within the family, uh, the, uh, burdens that are put over people's lives. And so I, I feel that, uh, and we've seen many people set free of burdens that come on them. So for example, I'll, show, I'll give you an example of one. Uh, one of the most common things that happens when someone's sexually abused by a family member, extended family member, is they will swear them to secrecy. Don't tell anyone or our family will break up and you'll be responsible. Now, that is a crushing burden because the person's trapped if I want to tell, but if I tell, the family will break up and my life will fall apart. There's no one there for me and I'll be responsible. That is a crushing burden. The burden of secrecy. Code of silence, it's called. And so many people live with this kind of stuff. Many people live with it. Uh, with burdens and things that weigh them down, that hold them down. And they don't know how to get free of it until you get a word of knowledge sometimes on it or through counsel it comes out. And then you pray and break it and the thing just lifts off them like that. And they always feel, whoa, I feel lighter already just because this spiritual burden has come off them. And then the last one says is the, uh, uh, the um, proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord referred to the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. Uh, everyone who had lost their inheritance, their debts were cancelled, obligations were cancelled, they were forgiven and released, and they got their inheritance back. So to me, this makes a very, very uh, logical process here through God wants to connect us to himself into relationship by dealing with the issue of sin, remove out of our life the blocks and bondages and, and things in our heart that stop us enjoying relationship, Set us free from defiling spirits that torment and make life miserable physically and emotionally and spiritually. Uh, open our eyes and give us vision so we can start to flow with the Holy Spirit and begin to see what God's called us to do. Lift off our lives limitations that have been placed there through life circumstances or people or demonic spirits. And then give grace to us to empower us to fulfill our destiny. That to me is the whole thing. It's a brilliant scripture, isn't it? You like that? Every one of those is a teaching on its own, of course. But now you see deliverance is just one piece in the bit. It's not the whole deal. And, and healing of the broken heart is one piece in the whole picture. The whole picture is people being connected to God, freed in their soul to enjoy intimate relationship, freed from tormenting spirits, beginning to see and flow in the Holy Ghost and have vision for their life, having the limitations lift off and starting to get into the power of the Holy Ghost and empowerment to begin to start to walk in the things of the Spirit. Any ideas? To me, it's wonderful, absolutely yeah. wonderful. Now, within that, I want to take one aspect, and you see they're all interconnected because if we start to deal with demons, you have to deal with a broken heart and sin. And then vision. 
if, you, if you're going to deal with uh, uh, the broken heart, you'll always have to get people reconciled to God and deal with demons and deal with uh, other things that they don't see. So all of these are interconnected, although they're written, written down like that. They are interconnected with one another. So empowerment for your life always involves engaging these issues and things in our life. And this is the spirit-filled life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we leave a lot of claps, shall we? Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. All right, well, we'll just, uh, I'll give you a couple more scriptures, and then I'll just start to pray for a few people. Then I'll get on to where I want to teach, which is on Psalm 84, on how to pass through the valley of sorrow. I want to give you something practical that will help you if you're stuck in a place in your life. But just before we get there, let's have a look in John. John chapter uh, 7. John 7. So for some of you, these things are, are, are new, and so I just apologize. I haven't gone deep, uh, 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 old, so i sorry we haven't gone deeper, but there'll be some that'll be new, and I wanted to take into account that we want to bring everyone forward, not just, just touch one part. <laughs> okay, then. So uh, verse John chapter 7 and verse 37. On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Here's the one. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the spirit that those believing on him would receive. Now, again, this is a whole teaching of its own. But let me just pick this up. Jesus makes an amazing statement here. He says that out of your, out of your spirit, out of your inner man is where the life of God will flow. And so he's saying that he wants us to be filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, be able to flow in the things of the Spirit. So out of us, naturally and easily, would flow like a river, the anointing of the Spirit, into whatever area of life we go. Now, a lot of people get caught up with revival. They're waiting and praying for revival. And uh, I, in my observations, when they come, they don't last. And I, I believe we can carry a revival in our life and bring that reviving wherever we go. It's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're given that anointing. It's your responsibility to grow in the things of the Spirit. So when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. We're joined to God. But there's also another experience of empowerment, which is a gateway or a doorway experience called being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Basically, you are dipped into a new realm. And so baptism in the Spirit is just a gate. It's a gateway experience. It's not the only experience. It's your first experience to encounter the supernatural realm where the Holy Spirit works with you. So it's an entrance experience. And like all entrance experiences, has unusual things around. And one unusual thing is the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is one of the most powerful gifts. I'd like to be able to speak honored at some stage over the weekend. It's the most powerful gift to build and develop your spirit. Now, if, you're, if, if the life flow of God is going to flow from your spirit, you must learn how to build and develop your spirit and how to engage in those flows and allow and learn how to work with the Holy Spirit within you. Otherwise, your paradigm will be, I pray and hope God will come and do something, rather than I'm joined to the Lord and his life is within me and flows through me. Yes. 
Now, when you've got this paradigm, I am joined to the Lord and God is with me and in me and flows through me, and you become conscious and learn how to live and flow in that, now wherever you go, you are able to minister to people. Doesn't matter where you are, you know, it can be in any kind of place, out in the car park, it can be in a coffee bar, it can be in some place. He's talking to someone, next thing they break down and weep and the Holy Ghost is flowing and because you're talking heart and life issues. So I found I've had people come, all kinds of things happen on planes and buses and trains and out in the car park and in the cafe and stuff happens. Why? Because you carry a river of God. The river is within you to flow out of you. And uh, so anything, so we need to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit, how to work with the flow of anointing. And so if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit and got speaking in tongues yet, you haven't actually entered something God has for you to empower you for your ministry for life. That's an experience to, we need to come into and we need to flow in. And once we've had that experience, now we be, we're beginners. We've just started. Now I've got to learn how to build my spirit man. Praying in tongues is one of the most powerful ways of developing and building your spirit man. Meditating in the Word of God is another way. Worship is another way. Speaking, confessing the Word of God. There are a number of ways you can build your spirit man, but no one will build your spirit man but you. So, so you are responsible to develop what God has put inside you, to learn what is the function of your spirit? How does your spirit operate? How does the Holy Spirit, how is he released through me? These are the things that I need to learn how to do. And uh, so then we'll move to another verse, and it'll show you very clearly that one of the problems, apart from learning, is that blocks in our heart can stop the flows of God. In Proverbs 4.27, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of your life. So what it's saying is simply this. Now just put the two together now. That you are designed so whatever's in your spirit will flow out through your life. You're designed to bring a ministry of life to people. And you're designed to work with the Holy Spirit and to bring that life flow to people. However, there can be things that get into your heart and life that not only block the Holy Spirit, but introduce a whole different flow into your life. So it says your life is like a river flowing out of you and it influences every place you go, every person you meet. It affects your relationships. So if you have bitterness in your heart, bitterness will flow like a river eroding relationships. If you have judgments in your heart, they will flow like a river uh, closing down your relationships. If you have rejection in your heart, it will flow like a river. It will be demonically empowered, but it will flow like a river. So... The flows of our life are not just cognitive. They're not just out of the head. They actually flow from the heart. Yeah. So one of the problems the church faces is we try to just change behaviors and don't deal with the heart. We have to deal with the heart because it's in the heart that the problems lie. It's in the heart, in the soul, in the emotions, in the thinking patterns. That's where the strongholds are. That's where the challenges are. And I'm going to show you just what some of the blocks are and how to deal with them shortly. But uh, before we take a break, what I'll do is this. I'll just get to pick out a few people and just pray for you. I want to just talk to you and show you just a little more about the flow of the Spirit. Eh? How about that? So we just pray for you. I'd just like to come on up. Praise the Lord. Just give me a hand there. That's right. Just close your eyes and look up to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Now, because we're connected to the Holy Spirit, I'm absolutely certain and confident that God's Spirit is here to work and to flow, to minister to her. All I've got to do is to 
engage God. In ministry to people, if you try to make something happen or do something, it actually ends up in striving. But if I was just to, I've asked her already to look to the Lord, not to me, to direct her attention away from me. So I'm free to just look to the Lord. And so if I was just to close my eyes and meditate for a moment that I'm connected to God, thank you, Lord, your presence is here. And the presence of God starts to just flow on her like that. So when we become connected to God like that inside, the river starts to flow very easily. It doesn't have to do anything. It's just a flow. She opened up to receive and I opened up to connect and focus on the source and the Spirit of God began to flow. And we'll get you up again and do a couple more things. <laughs> if you can, she'll be drunk. She wants to get drunk. I know it. You come here hungry. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Someone stay there. That's right. Now, we are joined one spirit with the Lord, but that anointing needs to flow through my soul and body. So if the body's resistant or soul's resistant, there's no flow. But if we just meditate, see meditation is very powerful, just connect and in your spirit, I can begin to see God as there. The power of God just can touch your life. And she'll get, whoa, here we go. Well, I'm about to come on over. Just leave her there for the moment. Oh, she's gonna get up again. All right then, okay then. Yeah, yeah why not, why not? <laughs> Holy Spirit, Woo! just come upon her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just give me a hand. Now, so if I just was just to stop and listen for a moment, yeah, they all want it too, don't they? <laughs> give them more. Give them more. Fella, fella, fella. Now, see, once you start to flow with the Holy Spirit, the anointing starts to increase. It becomes much easier. And it's oh, just, just the presence of God just comes like that. Thank you, Lord. Now, just hold her up. Don't let her fall over yet. Now, I just want to just reach out for something different. I want to reach out to prophesy. Prophesying has to do with being able to see and hear. It has to do with being able to get something very simple from God. Just to get a picture, a slightest impressional picture, or to get a word, a thought. But everything you get from God is in seed. It's never big. So sows the seed. Everything given God is very small. So whenever God wants to work in you and through you, he'll give you things in a very small form. And the mostly we tend to think it's so small we think it's not God. And so we dismiss it rather than actually just fixing, oh, that's interesting. Now, the way you pick up and receive these things from the Holy Spirit is quite simple. Your, your left brain or tends to work logically. So your natural mind works Logic, reasoning, one, two, three. The, the language of the heart from which you receive from the Holy Ghost is a flow, it's visions, it's pictures, it's emotions, it's, you feel things. And so many people have not developed that. But if I was just stopped trying to work, I could go there and say, let me try and work something out now. Now, what did she tell me? Now, that's all logic, and that means I'm in the natural man. But if I was to just say, well, God, you know all about her, just talk to me and give me something that would just encourage her today. Just, uh, you know, where she is and what would be appropriate. You know her heart, you know everything about her. So I'm just going to listen. So all I am is just a, a listener uh, to the Spirit, listening to his impressions. And so if I just listen to his impressions, waiting for just a thought or a word, and, and already I can feel a whole flow, like she's really hungry for God. <laughs> Trying to pull it all out. <laughs> so I'll just wait a moment and just relax. Because when you relax, that's when you most easily work with the Holy Spirit. And just listening to the voice of the Lord. 
And so what I'm looking for is a thought or a picture. And uh, I have already two words that have come. And so now I've got to look at each word and just allow my mind to just say, well, God, within that seed word is everything you want to say. So I just need to now listen and start to talk what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing. And as I do it, expect that a flow will come. And this will minister the spirit to her. As I speak, there will start to come a flow, bubble up of words from the Holy Spirit. And she'll know whether it's relevant to her or not. All right, then. so thank you, Lord. This is what I sensed as I reached out. I sensed this tremendous hunger in you for God. You have this great passion for the things of the Spirit, and you're known for it. Everyone, you know, everywhere you go, everyone knows you're just crazy about the Holy Ghost. And uh, you have this tremendous desire to be able to move and minister in greater dimensions of power. I see you with books and you're reading, you're looking, reading everything you can read, you know. I see someone saying to you, another book? How come another book? You know, and it's like you have just got this hunger to read and a hunger to just uh, get a hold of things of the Spirit. You, you're searching. I see you on the internet. You're searching, trying to find things. You're clicking in and trying to find and locate resources because there's great hunger to learn and grow in the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is tremendous desire. And uh, I feel the Lord saying that he, he, he wants to increase in your life your capacity to move and to minister. And it's not as difficult as you think. And you don't need lots more information. There's a need to actually practice, develop what you already have. And rather than just doing overtime on reading, studying, start to begin to take the things you've learned and start to grow them in your life by systematic practice. You're going to start to find yourself stretching, stretching in vision, stretching in the prophetic, which is where your passion lies anyway, and uh, stretching out to, uh, to see things and have things for people. So every time you go to a meeting, just wait on God, look into the meeting, imagine the meeting, see the meeting, begin to pray. God's going to give you things for people. And I see you just going up talking to people, say, by the way, God was just showing me this thing for you. And you're starting to bring things. Start to just grow it in that way. And uh, the second thing the Lord showed me is quite different. He showed me there's been tremendous turmoil in your background, huge turmoil. It's like this just the season in your life that went on for quite a long time, some years, that your life was in tremendous turmoil. And, uh, and uh, you've got out of it all, but it hasn't all got out of you. And you're in a journey where God is restoring and healing. So sometimes you get in the presence of God and you just weep. And you, you, why am I weeping like this, Lord? It's because there's areas of grief and areas of pain that uh, have come out of those broken relationships that God's wanting to just restore and heal in your life. And so your journey forward is a journey into growing in the things of the spirit, growing in the prophetic, growing in your ability to be able to bring words to people. It's also growing in power ministry, the ability to, to break into people's lives. And one part of that is as you let God engage you, you're going to learn things that you can bring to others. Thank you, Lord. How's that sound? That sound all right? Oh. He goes, give him more. More. Praise the Lord. Give me a little clap, shall we? There we go. Okay, so this very easy atmosphere to work in. Some it's not so easy, it's much more difficult, and I've got to fight for every word. But this is very, very easy atmosphere to work in because people are so hungry. So now, when you start to learn or develop your inner man, then you begin to start to flow, and you find lots of things and learn lots of things you never learned before because you're starting to move in the spirit. Can I pray for you? Okay, come on, let me pray for you. You happy for me to pray for you? 
You're a bit apprehensive. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Lord, just touch you. What's your name? Lindsay. Lindsay. Okay, Lindsay. Father, I just thank you for Lindsay. Lord, I just pray you would just touch her life and bless her. Just encourage her today and help her. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you know everything about her life, her call, her destiny. Father, I pray you would uh, just speak to her heart today in a way that would really strengthen her. Well, I, I see you with, uh, I know it's a campus kind of area. There's a lot of young people. And uh, you're, you, you have this passion to reach into people who are from broken backgrounds, broken homes, broken lives. You've got this great desire for the broken heart. You've got this immense gift of compassion in your life. You feel things for people. And uh, you, you feel immensely for people, for the pain they have, for the struggles they're going through. And you have this great desire to help them. It's like you really want to be able to engage them. And so you've been learning how, to, how can I help people? Been learning how can I counsel? How can I do this? How can I help people and get into their lives and, 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 and get them through the issues? And, there, and one of those reasons, of course, is you've got an experience of your own uh, that's been quite painful that uh, has caused you to have this thing birth in your life. It's often the way it is. We go through our own painful situations and it births in us the desire to fulfill the destiny God had. And so God's calling you. I see you counseling. I see you ministering. I see you bringing uh, hope and help into people's lives. I see you gathering up and there's a team around too and you're working with a team helping people. But uh, you're also on a journey where God is wanting to touch things in your life. And in this last season, things have been surfacing that you know you've got to process, know you've got to address. You kind of pushed it all down. You got on with your life, but now God's saying it's time to actually process that. In fact, in the season where there's been 30 days of growth, this is where it's all starting to surface and it's starting to all come up. And that's because God wants to help you get free in your own heart and, uh, and to, to, to deal with some of the things, the words that were spoken that really crushed and hurt and put, uh, put almost like a false destiny over your life. And uh, God is wanting you to be free from all of those things. And uh, so you're not going to just uh, counsel people. God wants you to learn how to move in the spirit as well. Move with deliverance, move with healing, move with, bring words into people's lives. And, uh, and you're gonna, you, you have a tremendous uh, future ahead in flowing in those things. Amen? Amen, that's amazing. Amazing. God bless you. <laughs> And I don't know you, of course, so I don't know anything about. So that's one of the great things about the prophetic gift. When it flows, you all know the person, so you'd know. I, now, for me, it's like, I'm, it's like this. It's like I'm in a dark street, and I can see about one step. And I've got to say what I'm feeling. Oh, I can see a little more. Oh, there's a little more came. And if I just keep walking, leaning on God, not trying to work it out with my mind or interrupt with my mind. Now, the problem is your mind, your natural mind, will try and argue and reason. Oh, that can't be right. How could you know that? It'll say, so your, your natural mind has a voice that will interrupt the things of the spirit. And so you've got to learn, and this is what I had to learn, I had to train my natural mind, which was trained to be quite negative and, and, and to filter everything and look for facts. Uh, I had to train it to stop uh, judging and to start listening and inquiring. So when I get a, a, a prophetic word now, I get a word like I see that, and so I'll start to ask questions instead of judging. And the more I ask questions, the more God unravels and gives. And so you can develop these flows of the Spirit. Um, we haven't got a chance to do that, but I've just tried to lay out in a little bit of time a whole heap of stuff for you. How many thought that was a help for you? Is that okay? Great stuff. Why don't we just take a break for five minutes and, and uh, so, and then we'll come back and I'll get into where we want to go with the healing of broken heart.
And, uh, but there's got, you just look it up and you'll find it. And uh, so we've got heaps of messages on there and they've got some resources. There's a manual on uh, moving in the gifts of spirit, a manual on uh, deliverance, a manual on spiritual authority. And uh, we just felt we'd just get it all up there and put it out for free. And uh, so it's not perfect, all of the stuff, but it's all up there for you to grab and get a hold of and read and go through. And I know Shane's dad's been having a meeting there in their home and they've just been going through one of the seminars and learning how to work and flow in the spirit. Gradually as time goes on, we'll improve them all and the quant content of them all and get more videos and DVDs to go with it. So uh, you're very welcome to just uh, go onto the site and download anything you like. There you go, it'll help you. M-I-K-E-C-O-N-N-E-L-L, Mike Connell Ministries, all one word. Yeah, just check it out and download some stuff, and there you go. Suck it all out. <laughs> I can see, I know she's already, she's already there. She, she tapped in. Okay, all right, I want us to go into uh, Psalm 84, Psalm 84. <clears throat> Every one of us goes through our journey of life. We have painful experiences, just part of life. And we have to learn how to address them and to deal with them. Most of us, we don't know what to do. If it's a physical body, it's pretty obvious. You know, the marks are obvious, the cuts are obvious, the pain is obvious. And uh, we tend to, the immediate thing is you tend to do something to protect yourself from being hurt anymore. And uh, if it's a physical cut, if you don't protect the uh, injury, it'll get infected. And uh, what we seldom kind of conclude or realize is if physical wounds can get affected with germs, what about wounds in the soul? What do they get infected with? Get infected with evil spirits. And so evil spirits come into people's lives on two basic grounds. One, they have a legal ground or right to do so. In other words, when the law of God is broken or violated, that's where demons come and operate. So for example, and, and being ignorant doesn't help at all. If you were driving down the road and there's a sign up there and it says uh, 30 miles per hour and you're traveling 50, policeman pulls you over, he's not worried whether you saw the sign or not. It's irrelevant. You just broke the law. The law was there. You violated it. You must actually face the fine. Now, in the realm of the spirit, God has set it up so that there are spiritual laws and natural laws. You violate the spiritual laws. There's always a consequence. The wage of sin is death. There's always an outcome. And so demonic spirits use what God set up for order to find ways to access people's lives. They usually access by finding a violation of the laws of God. Uh, the second way they access people's lives is through trauma or painful situations in lives. They just ride in on the back of it and take something that's been uh, hurtful, damaging, painful, or traumatic, and then they use it as a chance to come in and begin to increase the damage and to maintain a hold in the person's life. That's why you find when people have gone through a trauma, one of the things you'll notice is often they can't engage in life the way they used to. And part of that is because there's a trauma in them. Part of it is because it's demonically empowered. You'll be able to learn to address those things. So, so one of the issues, of course, is to... Now, um, so just as physical injuries can become infected, the injuries in the soul can uh, open the doorway for spirits to come in. And uh, so injuries in the inner man are not so obvious because we keep our inner man covered and we get used to living a life uh, where we just engage one another 
at an external level. That's how we used to living our life. But if you were to stand in the realm of the spirit, your whole inner life would be visible. So demonic spirits see your inner world. They look, when looking from the spirit world into the natural world, they would see uh, the pastor's body as just being water vapor, but the real man is the inner man, and the inner man is visible. See, that which is unseen is eternal. Yes. So from the world of the spirit, look, we look at one, we see, the, we see the body, see the external. From the realm of the spirit, they see the hidden man of the heart. They see the real man. So therefore, if there is sin issues or, or, or damage, they can see it and use it as an access point. And this is part of the issue. So we're not going to teach on deliverance today, but it just helps if you do understand. So when people are hurt, the tendency is for us to control our world and control our pain. So we want to seize control. It's just natural to want to do that. You think about sin. Sin causes us to control our world. That's the core of sin. The core of sin is I'm in control of my world, running my world my way. That's the core of sin, not just the bad actions. It's the life independent of God. See, so when a person is hurt inside, we tend to try and find a way to protect our world from further hurt. And we have a number of mechanisms we use to do that, which we'll just identify just in a moment. And uh, so... <clears throat> Uh, one of the challenges we face is if you have sought to control your world, and that's fine to do that because there was no other way, but once you learn that God has got another way, the key thing then is to let go control and allow God into that part of your world that was hurt and allow him to bring healing and restoration. And uh, that's what the ministry of healing the broken heart is about, is, is about bringing God into the areas of the heart that have been hurt and broken where we've built walls of control and letting him come and do a healing restorative work. So now I don't need to control it. I can actually talk about it and I'm free. If you, you know, we, we use statements like, well, I, I moved on. And when I hear people say, I've moved on, you know, 99% of the time it means they just tried to control the pain, bury the issue, and, and they've moved on, they've moved on, they've just brought the baggage with them. Wherever they are, there's where their problem is. It, it, just, it just tends to reproduce. So we need to not, to move on means to bring resolution to the things which are not right in our life. And so we journey with God and he begins to uh, raise things to the surface. So typical things are we control. We also have reactions that we have in our heart. We have, uh, we tend to bury pain and sorrow and just push it all and build walls around the heart. And then you become isolated. So I want to go through this psalm here and just talk through just how you could break free, how you could break free. And uh, here's a key thing is that we always choose how we'll respond. It's always your choice how you respond. No matter what anyone did to you, you choose your response and you are responsible for the outcome. I'll say it again, you choose your response to pain in life and then you are responsible for the consequences of that choice. Once you've made the choice, then there's a consequence of it. So, for example, I'll just, give you, I'll just give you a Bible example without going into it too deeply. If you take the story of David and Michael, David and Michael were very much deeply in love, and they suffered at the hands of the same man. That was King Saul. And both David and his wife, or, or Saul's daughter, both were deeply abused 
by Saul. Saul was incredibly controlling and secure, sought to murder David and drove David out as a fugitive out into the wilds and uh, hunted him down, trying to kill him. Uh, then not only do that, he took his his, uh, Saul took his own daughter, David's wife, and then forced her to marry someone. So even though she was deeply in love with David, he forced her to marry someone else, live uh, have a sexual relationship with another man, while her heart lay with her husband. So both of them suffered deep abuse. And David heard about that, but could not come back because it risked his life to come back. So both of them suffered deeply. David found the grace of God and resolved this in his heart. So when opportunity came to kill Saul, he refused to take it. Eventually, God promoted him and he came into a place where he was king. His, his wife, Saul's daughter, went through this issue of her husband not being able to come to her. She went through bitterness against her father. She became bitter against her husband. And then eventually when David became king, she was brought back to him again. And so this should have been the day of their victory, the day that they stood as king and queen in the place God had appointed them, the Ark of the Covenant coming into the town, the whole city and nation rejoicing. It was to be a day of triumph for them both. But on that day of triumph, David rejoiced before the Lord. She just looked as a spectator on it and then became quite bitterly critical of him in how he did it. The Bible says, therefore, she was barren for the rest of her life. <clears throat> now, it's a whole story you could minister on, but here's the core of it is this, that David resolved his bitterness and hurt. Michael did not. And when they came to a place of, of God's provision, he was able to experience and enter it. She could not. So her heart attitude stopped her experiencing what God had planned for them both as a couple. And this is true of relationships that no matter what God has done, we are responsible for our choices and the outcomes that come as a result of that. So let's just have a look then at Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, or in whose heart are the ways of God. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of sorrows or weeping, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, and everyone appears before God. This is a tremendous psalm. And in it, it gives you some very, very simple keys. Notice it talks about the Valley of Baca. The valley is a low place. The valley is a, not the mountaintops. Mountaintops speak of great experiences. Valley speaks of difficult places. When the Bible's talking about valleys, valleys were places battles were fought. And the Bible refers to a number of valleys. It talks about this one here, the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Weeping. It's an experience where you are in grief and sorrow for some reason. The Valley of Baca is a sorrowful experience in your life. There are other valleys. There's the Valley of the Shadow of Death, where you're under fear of loss of life or living in fear and anxiety. There's a valley of Achor, a valley of trouble, where there's tremendous turmoil and, con and conflict going on. There's a whole number of valleys the Bible speaks of. And so valleys are a part of our life. The first thing about valleys is they're inevitable. Everyone has valley experiences. Second thing about valley experiences is they're painful. They, they're hurtful. It's difficult. 
It's trying when you're in a valley experience. But the third thing about them is they can be extremely profitable in that when we touch God in it, our lives grow mature and we have something to minister to others that comes out of a life of experience. So much of the ministry we have has been uh, authenticated by going through difficulties in life. Now, it's not that we wanted all those things, but they've just come. And so we've faced, uh, as a family, many difficulties. We've got seven children, 20 grandchildren. So you can imagine I've had every appliance possible turn up at our house. We've had the police, we've had the fire brigade, we've had the ambulance. <laughs> if it's a public vehicle, it turned up at some time at our place. <laughs> I've had it all. We had a, a, daughter, a son who got hooked on drugs and we had to work through that and deal with that. We had a daughter who was raped and we had to deal with that. We had the, mis the, the miscarriages. We've, we've had a number of difficult experiences. And so I've had to learn how to deal with them in God. And I wanted to share with you some simple keys here just in this passage that will just help you <laughs> to deal with it. Now, you notice here, blessed is the man whose strength is your heart is set on journey or his heart is set on process. We tend to want God to zap us and fix everything up. He tends to be concerned more about process. And uh, it says, as they pass through the valley of Barca, they make it a spring. So here's the thing is, God does not want you to stay in a valley. He does not want you to stay in a valley experience, in a place of pain or sorrow or grief or bondage in your life. He wants you to pass through it. Valleys are not places God wants us to stay. He wants us to pass through them. That word pass through means to cross over, to come out the other side and you're different. And so uh, God doesn't want you to stay in that place of sorrow. He doesn't want you to live there. However, there are many ways that you can remain stuck in the valley of sorrow. For example, Abraham's father-in-law, remember, Terah. And he had a son called Haran. And Haran died prematurely, which was a great grief to the father. And when the father moved with Abraham and they journeyed, they were on a journey to Canaan, but they came to a place, interestingly, it was called Haran. And he settled there because it brought back to his mind the grief he'd faced, the pain he had, and he didn't want to go any further. He just stayed there. So Abraham moved on. He remained stuck where he was stuck in his soul. And so you and I in our journey with God can move on by resolving and dealing with things and growing, or we can be stuck. And many people are stuck. Many, many people are stuck. And you're stuck, they don't know what to do. Now, why is it that people get stuck? What, what causes people to stay in a valley where there's sorrow, torment, pain, and, and issues of conflict in the heart. Well, here's some reasons why. I'll give them to you right now. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons is, is, and it's always to do with our response, but let's have a look at them. One of them is denial. When we deny the impact of something and pretend it wasn't as big as it is or just deny that anything happened, no, I'm all right. I've gotten over it. And you can almost feel the denial coming <laughs> You ask them about something, <laughs> I'm over it, you know, moved on, you know, and the fact they can't even just talk about it, you know there's a huge amount of denial. Denial means I'm refusing to look into my heart because if I do, it's too painful what I'll see. 
But God wants us to go there because that's where the Spirit lives. He lives in our heart. If I'm going to flow in the things of the Spirit, I do need to let God have access to my heart and access, and I need to be willing to go there with him. Now, you understand that when we go through painful experience, we just do the best we can, but once you are walking with the Holy Spirit, he can come with you and make it a different experience. Mm -hmm. See? Uh, for example, uh, my son-in-law uh, is from South Africa, Zimbabwe. When he was seven, uh, some people came to the door, and uh, he went down with a toy gun, and the, uh, or gave his toy gun to his mother. Anyway, whatever happened, the people there thought that there was a gun involved, and they shot his father. And he went down, and as a seven-year-old boy, held on to his father as his father just bled to death, having been shot by the people at the door. And that's fairly traumatic. And then his life, as he knew it, fell apart. And so we had a session where we were praying uh, and ministering to the healing of the broken heart. And I said, well, we we're talking about negative pictures or images or trauma. So sometimes people are stuck because they have pictures in the mind and they just can't go there. It's too painful to go there. And so he had this picture in his mind of his father in his arms dying. And uh, so we invited them to let this time, to let control go, trying to solve this problem, and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit's way of dealing with it is to put a different picture over the top of it. And so he, he just began to weep. as he, I said, just remember it. And he began to remember uh, that day when his father was shot, he began to weep as he remembered and the emotions all came. And then I said, now look for Jesus in that situation. Have a look and see where he was because he was there. You just didn't see him. You were caught up in it. And as he looked, he said he could see the Lord. And then I said, what's he doing? He said, he's standing there and he's very concerned. And I said, keep watching, keep looking to the Lord now. And so he did. And uh, I said, What's he doing? And he said, he told me it's not my fault. And that broke a lie that had entered his life at that time, that it was his fault. Uh, I had another girl we prayed from Taiwan recently, and we'd shared a testimony about our adopting our girl out and, and getting her back, and she uh, got saved that meeting. And then the next time we were in Taiwan, she shared her testimony, and we heard it. It was interpreted for us. So I said, look, I'd love to just talk with you. And the Lord put in my heart that he wanted to heal her. And so I said, look, uh, I'd love to pray with you, and I feel God wants to heal you. I said, can you remember when you were adopted? And she said, yes, I was five. And I said, can you remember? She said, yes, I can. I said, well, why don't you just close your eyes now and remember it. Just allow your mind to go back as though that day was there, and you were just standing there now. Can you remember? She began to tears start to come. I said, now look for Jesus in it and, and see what Jesus is doing. And then I said, now reach out to him. And now I didn't expect her to do this, but she was standing there like this, and she just reached out like that, and then she was frozen for an hour and a half. I've got a picture of it in my iPad. And she's frozen for an hour and a half while she encountered Jesus. And when she can, then, and we, I said, I get said to someone, look, can you just stand there with her and just make sure no one interrupts this, this visitation of God? And so she, she was there. I preached. We had an altar call. People just gathered all around her. We had all the rest of the meeting. And then suddenly, oh, she came out of it. I said, what happened? She said, well, she said, I remembered being there as a little girl. She said, like I was there and I could see mum leaving and then I saw Jesus. And as I reached out to him, he came to me and he told me, it's not your fault. And then he began to talk to me and told me he'd never leave me. And, and she, she was in an encounter with the Lord for an hour and a half. And when she came out of it, she looked just completely different. 
and the pain, the grief, the sorrow, as she remembered her experience of her mother going, what she remembered was different. She remembered Jesus being there to help her. And so we can't get rid of memories. And if we try to block them off, they just remain alive inside us with the emotions attached. But what we can do is we can let Jesus into it to speak to us and reveal what we didn't know at that time and shift it. And Jane, I share lots of stories like that. So one of the reasons people get stuck is denial. Another is minimizing, which is a form of denial. Just say, it's, oh, it's nothing. Yeah, nothing much. No, no, no. It didn't really affect me. That's, again, minimizing it. Uh, is, 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 uh, it's, it's deceiving ourselves. Another reason people get stuck is they blame. They get into a blame game. It's, oh, it's not my fault. Yeah, my, and they start to get into the blame, uh, blame of a father, blame of a mother. Uh, another area is the area of unforgiveness will lock you. Unforgiveness will lock you into uh, the torment of something someone has done against you. And not only that, Jesus taught Matthew 18 that unforgiveness opens the door legally for spirits to torment. So we have found when people have unforgiveness, they'll have a lot of sicknesses and infirmities and troubles in their life. So uh, unforgiveness. Now, when we say forgiveness, it's from, Jesus talked about forgiveness being from the heart, not just, oh, well, okay, I forgive. Forgiveness from the heart lets go the judgment and demand and releases you to be able to just love people again. So forgiveness needs to be from the heart, not just, I, I, I've had people and you know, they, they've been through abusive situations. So, well, you need to forgive. And of course, at that, they feel very angry. They actually want to punch them for such counsel. <laughs> you don't understand. What people need to do is engage the heart. Sometimes the reason people are stuck in unforgiveness is because they've never stopped to admit how hurt they are. And before a person can go through the process of forgiving, sometimes they've just got to talk about their pain and have their pain validated. And when it's been validated, now you're willing to move on and let it go and release it and forgive. And as Jesus forgave you, just release forgiveness so you can be free. It's not going to mean you trust them or it's going to mean they'll get any better. What it means is you can move on in your life past this issue. So unforgiveness is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And many times people don't understand forgiveness is both a choice and a process. It's a choice because you've got to make a decision to let go, but it's a process because it doesn't necessarily happen just once. Sometimes you've got to keep on the journey of keeping that place of releasing, forgiving. And for some people, they go back to a difficult home, and so therefore this is a constant battle to stay in the place. I'm going to walk in forgiveness because that's the person I am. That's who I am. Many times people are stuck on unforgiveness because they feel it's unjust. It's not fear I have to forgive. Why should I? Well, unforgiveness is something you do because you're forgiven by Jesus so much more. Why not now let it go so you can move forward? And uh, so unforgiveness is a big one. Uh, there are other things that are connected to that which I'll share with you. Another one which is um, very strong is a, a bitter judgments. Bitter judgments. This will keep people locked in a valley. Bitter judgments. That means where a judgment is made and it's made out of bitterness. And when people get hurt, they become very sour and bitter and so on. And they can make a judgment. I'll give you an example of a judgment. Well, all men will treat you like this. That's a judgment. And all women will try and control you. That's a judgment. Some may, but not all will. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> See, I hear the unbelief already. <laughs> 
<laughs> Your experience is not all of ours. Uh, but these are judgments where someone comes to a conclusion, like, I'll never make it. That's a judgment. Or, you know, uh, I'm a failure. It's a judgment. You know, I'll always be treated badly. I never count. My feelings never count. All of those are judgments. See, now when you make judgments, they stay inside you and they produce a fruit in your life. Every relationship you come into, they produce a harvest yeah. because that's what you believe. Remember, out of the heart flows the issues of life. So those judgments and ungodly expectations create they're like a magnet, to, they're like a negative faith. Another uh, reason people get stuck is they make inner vows. Inner vows are a big issue. Inner vow is a vow you speak into yourself. I'll never trust a man. I'll never trust a woman. It's usually mixed with a bit of judgment. They'll always let you down or they'll always abandon you. And uh, so I'll never trust. And so most inner vows have the, have the form, I'll never. Or, you know, it's like that. Or uh, inner judgments have the form of, uh, they always. <laughs> they always, men always do this. Pastors will always do this. Authorities will always do this, you know. And it's, it's that kind of, and it's rooted in bitterness. And you know what? It's like a magnet. You end up with the same thing happening over and over and over and over and over in your life. And you can't work out. You're actually stuck in the valley because of the judgment or the inner vow. So inner vows are made to protect one. Well, I'll never open my heart to anyone ever again. And with that, you put a lock around your heart. And later on in life, you'll have trouble relating to God. You'll have trouble relating to a spouse, have trouble relating to your children. Why? I'll never open my heart to anyone again. These things are incredibly powerful. I went to pray, went to pray for one lady, and uh, she was miscarrying for the fifth time. And I said, God, help me. What do I do on this? And we prayed, and she, no, she, she miscarried. And, and so she was, rang me when she was in the process of miscarrying, and I went to be with her and her husband. And uh, I said, Lord, what on earth am I going to do? And, she, and the Lord said, it's a boy. And all of them were boys. Get a father to pray for her. And so I went to her and we did some, you know, just talking, encouraging, comforting or whatever. And uh, I said, what do you think the baby is? She said, I think it's a boy. She said, what do you think the others were? She said, I think they're all boys. I said, well, and I said, well, how do you get on with your dad? She said, fine. I said, well, okay, get him to pray for you then. She said, no. I, said, I could feel the strength of the no. <laughs> I said, I thought you said you had a good relationship with him. She said, well... Then, then we began to talk more, and it turns out the marriage had divided up. The mother had got into this strong relationship with the youngest girl, the father with a controlling relationship with her, and there was a level of connectedness and, and sharing of things that should never have happened, and she resented being under his control. I said, did you ever make an inner vow, I'll never carry a male child? And she thought for a moment, she said, I did. I said, can't you not see that the bitter judgment or the bitter inner vow you've made as a result of the hurt you've had is now outworking in your life and your own body is even rejecting your children. She was quite shocked, quite shocked. And uh, sometimes people repent and sometimes they stay in the valley. And uh, so another, another one is death wish. Death wish is another one where people say, I just wish I was dead. When people go through a lot of pain, they can't see a way out. Sometimes you say, I just wish I was dead. And when people speak that into their life, they come into agreement with death. And the effect is that they, it numbs up the heart. 
often it opens a way for a spirit of death to come in. The person's heart becomes quite numbed up and they don't connect, they don't relate, they often feel quite disconnected because they made an, uh, 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 this um, death wish. It's quite very common and people have been abused and many times when I've prayed to break the death wish and whatever, the thing has just broken off their life and they just suddenly feel this great freedom. So, okay then. So, of course, now we see how do we get out of these things. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. And you love that. <laughs> the first thing is to turn to the Lord. That word strength is the ability to overcome. So there is a blessing comes when instead of trusting ourselves, we turn to the Lord for help in facing the issue and resolving it. There is a blessing in this. So when we turn to the Lord instead of trying to cope with it ourselves. Okay. Second one you notice whose strength is in you, and whose heart is set on pilgrimage or process. In other words, so there's an agreement or there's a willingness to process or surrender control and journey through resolving the issue. There's a, there's a willingness to journey it. And so we tend to want to control it if we just surrender control. It's the hardest thing to con surrender control. As they pass through the valley of Barca, or as they pass through. So how do you pass through? One, you turn to the Lord for his strength. Two, you let go control and embrace process. Three, we have to face the truth. We always have to face the truth about stuff. What happened to me? How did it affect me? How do I feel about that? How do I react? Now, if you've got stuff going on in your heart, it'll always show up by way of reaction. Something will trigger it off, and next thing, you're reacting. Think, whoa, where did that come from? It's out of proportion to what just happened. So anytime you've got stuff out of proportion to something that's happened, there's a little bit deeper stuff in there to get to deal with. So what happened? How did it affect me? How did I deal with this? When it, when it happened to me, how did I deal with it? And uh, did I deny it or bury it? Did I, get, did I have judgments? Did I uh, just try and control all the pain? Did I make any death wishes? Did I, uh, did I um, you know, make any inner vows? What, how did I cope with this thing? You know? And uh, so those are, those are things. Do I have any negative expectations? Oh, well, you know, I guess I'll always have this happen to me. You know, stuff happens. It always happens to me. See, those kinds of negative expectations, judgments, uh, um, bitter roots, unforgiveness, all of those things keep you in the valley. They keep the issue alive and working in your life. It just doesn't stop. Now, you may not always be conscious of it, but it'll always come up in conflict situations or pressure situations. It'll, it'll, it'll come up to the surface. So what do I do? So, so I've got to face the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit helps you. So Holy Spirit, talk to me. Holy Spirit, share with me. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what really happened, how I really dealt with this thing. He can bring it up to the surface just like that. And then often there's a need to just grieve your loss because you know, when we go through difficult stuff, Grief is a normal process that we have to work through. Just grieving, weeping. Just let the tears come. Don't try and control the tears. Oh, I'm never going to cry. I'll never cry. I've known men that when they were about four said, I'll never cry, and they never did. But tears are the language of the heart. So what they really did was to avoid shame and embarrassment of being told, you're just a wuss, you crying little thing. You stop that cry. Be a man. You know, and so they're told that, says, I'll never cry in front of anyone. And then later on, they've got no language of the heart because it's actually shut down. 
the ability to express feelings and emotions. Jesus wept openly. So uh, sometimes, so, so ask the Lord, he's got to grieve for the loss. Now, is there anything I need to repent of? I just need to repent. Is there something I need to say, God, I'm so sorry. I just ask your forgiveness for reacting in bitterness. I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for holding unforgiveness in my heart. I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for those inner vows. I renounce them in Jesus' name. And so are there things I need to speak or renounce off my life? The things I need to cancel. Renouncing is a very important. I found in the area of deliverance and setting people free that recognizing the problem, taking responsibility, repenting, and releasing forgiveness and renouncing agreements I've come into is crucial for being set free. Very, very simple. It's quite easy to remember. Recognize and take responsibility. Repent of anything you need to repent for. Release forgiveness. Renounce the bondages. Then, then you're in a place to be set free. So, and ask the Lord to break the power of those things in your life. Then we need to rebuild our life. There's a process of renewing. So notice here... It says they pass through the valley of sorrow and make it a well. You make it a well when you encounter God or experience God touching your life in the area you've been hurt. That's what turns it into a well. Because now you've got an encounter with God. And we can comfort others with the comfort we've received. So here's the thing. Whatever lemon happened in your life, turn it into lemonade, you know. Whatever bad thing happened, let God into it and make it a well instead of something that's poisonous. He said, they make it a well. And the interesting thing is here, responsibility for dealing with the issues in your life rests with you. The Holy Spirit's job is to uncover it and to help you in it. He comes to comfort. He comes to reveal. comes to empower you. So when you don't want to forgive, he helps you forgive. He comes to show you just how deeply you've been hurt and knocked. Uh, so you, why? So you can actually then arise and do what needs to be done. So they make it a well, and it says the rain fills the pools, or literally it means uh, the rain or the, the, the blessing of God covers it with blessings. So God, when we're willing to deal with our life and deal with these things, God just pours blessing upon us. And the area that was sour becomes a place of blessing. You can't believe the numbers of people we have prayed for that were sexually assaulted and the number of parents we've been able to minister to who've grieved because their daughter was sexually assaulted or their son was sexually assaulted, just hundreds. Why? Because we processed ours. Otherwise, it would be a place, don't go there, talk to the hand. I don't want to go there, you know? Uh, but once you've processed stuff, you, are, you have an experience with God, you have a grace to bring to others. And people are needing not perfect people, they're needing ordinary people who have gone through stuff in life to bring them hope and help. To say, I've been in that place. I understand what that's like. I can identify with that. And yes, it is difficult. But God gave me grace. He can give you grace. So we've been able to pray for people who've had abortions. Not that we've had one, but we had two, three mis uh, two miscarriages. And out of how God helped us process that, we've been able to learn what you do to help people who've had uh, and had to deal with the issue of, uh, of abortions and miscarriages. So many of the areas we've ministered in or do minister in come out of our own experiences with God having to journey through our own issues in life. So there are people who need you to break through and turn your sorrow into a well so you have something to bring to them. The first thing you have is a soft heart. Compassion, not judgment. 
because you feel and understand exactly what that's like. And when you, when you have compassion, you see things differently. When you, when you are living with a bondage in your life, you want to tell people what you're going to do. You get yourself together. Pull yourself together. You need to do this. You know, do this. But when, when, you, when your heart has been healed, you don't treat people that way. Now you say, oh, man, I do one. And you, you're willing to listen to them tell their story. It's interesting in the story of the leper. Now, the leper that came to Jesus in Mark 1, had, he was full of an infectious disease, leprosy, and he was wanting to get healing physically. The interesting thing is that the first thing Jesus did was not to heal him. The first thing he did was to touch him. Why did he do that? You don't touch lepers. You know, it's pretty messy. Why? Because he not only had a physical disease, he had been isolated relationally and had no loving touch for all the course of this disease in his life. And he had not only a physical need, he had a need in his heart for reconnection. And when Jesus touched him, he showed him he wasn't afraid or ashamed of the condition of the man. Touching means he could identify with that man's condition. Can you imagine that? What that would have been like for that man. It's a great meditation of its own. <laughs> so who passes through the valley of sorrows, make it a well, and the rain covers it with blessing. And it says they go from strength to strength. One level of strength or might or ability to prevail to another one. And so there it is. There's the process. Quite simply, firstly, putting out, turning to the Lord for the ability to deal with it instead of trusting my own ability. I've got to turn to him and recognize I've tried in all my own strength. Now I'm turning to the Lord to surrender control, be willing to go through the process, even if it's painful, even if I've got to apologize to someone, even if I've got to repent, even if I've got to forgive someone I don't want to forgive, I'm willing to go through God's process. That's not easy. And it's a journey. And uh, thirdly, I need to face the truth about it. I need to face what happened, how it affected me, and how I reacted. And I need to be honest and own my reactions. It's often quite difficult for people to do that because they're so busy blaming someone for doing something to them, they actually don't even see what they've done. I had one guy, and he came to me, and he was in conflict with a group leader. And so we got down and talked with him with the group leader there. And Asked him questions. I said, well, you know, I said, how are you getting on in your job? He said, oh, well, I've just got a new job. I said, well, that's interesting. What happened to the old one? He said, oh, I fell out with the boss, and he was, you know, he was hard on me, you know, and I just got out of there, you know. And uh, I said, oh, really, what happened to the job before that? I was the same thing. I said, really? I said, well, does any job you ever had that was a good one? He said, oh, he was in the Army. And I said, I said, do you like the Army? He said, oh, you love the Army. It's great, the Army. I said, how would you get on with the officers? Oh, they always picked on me. I said, oh, really? That's interesting. I said, I bet the teachers at school picked on you too. He said, that's right. How would you know that? And uh, I said, oh, I said, how would you get on school? He said, oh, I got kicked out. I said, oh, really? I said, well, tell us about your dad. And uh, he said, oh, well, he isn't my dad. He's my stepdad. I was actually uh, I was adopted. And I said, really? I said, how would you get on? He said, oh, he kicked me out of home. I never got on with him. I said, I'll tell you what your problem is. Your problem is that you have an unresolved bitterness against your father for abandoning you. And it's reflecting on all authority people. And so you have got a course in your life where this thing is flowing out. You need to recognize the hurt and pain and forgive your dad. And he struggled. He wouldn't accept it. I said, well, you can see the fruit. There's the fruit. Absolutely consistent. I said, I can guarantee every work situation, church situation, you're going to be in conflict with authorities because they'll bring back to your memory 
the unresolved issue in your heart and it'll flourish whenever that person starts to correct you, adjust you, try to talk into you, it's going to flare up inside all that buried anger and unresolved rejection. You've got to deal with it and resolve it by forgiving your father and starting to honor him. You don't know why he did what he did. You don't know what pain they went through. But God does say, honor your parents that it may go well with you, implying if you don't, it won't. Right. Getting the idea? So... So we need to process the things that we have. So we need to look at how things have affected us. Have I got any inner vows? Have I got any attachments to people? Have I got any judgments? Have I got any negative pictures I need to resolve? Have I got any death wishes I need to deal with? What have I got that I need to deal with and am I willing to do it? And then I need to bring it to the Lord and start to deal with it. How many of you felt there's some things that perhaps you need to deal with? <laughs> oh, there's a couple of people. Pastor, that's great. You're so honest today. It's fantastic. <laughs> you didn't know which one. It was all of them, was it? <laughs> there are too many. <laughs> sort of paralyzed. Yeah, but... <laughs> We like the possum in the headlights. <laughs> Why don't we just do this then, just for a moment, and uh, uh, we'll just close our eyes. Just ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind anything He wants to just address and resolve today. So let's just close our eyes. Holy Ghost, we invite you to come now. Just while you just close your eyes, just try to connect with your heart. Holy Spirit, what is it you want to draw my attention to today that you want to, we want me to resolve, want me to face? A place of sorrow that I've not been willing to pass through. Sorrow that's still in my heart. It's still alive. And at times I remember it and then I shut it off as quick as I can. Sometimes in worship it comes up and I don't want to acknowledge it. I just push it down. Maybe it was with a father. Was it with a mother? Was it with a family member? Was it something at school? Was it an area that... Uh, someone abused trust deeply betrayed and hurt you could have been in a church situation a lot of stuff happens in churches some of it's not always good maybe someone legalistically hurt you very deeply with their words spoken over you what is the situation the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind right now how did you respond how did it affect you what did you feel? When you think about it, what emotions come up? It's okay, let them come up. It's all right. How did you react? Did you make a judgment? Did you harbor deep unforgiveness? Did you make inner vows? Well, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. Did you come against with judgments? Well, men what they're like they'll always be like that the woman well that's how they're going to treat you you never trust them are there things that you've said in your heart in the vows I've made I'll never do that I'll never let anyone near me I'll never cry I'll never open my heart these are things that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about these are the things to deal with and if you made death wishes I just wish I died. I want to die so much. Sometimes it's at school, shameful experiences that happen at school. and 
I remember standing in the sitting in a classroom with a teacher standing over me, abusing me, and just shutting down. It took years to come to face how it affected me. Just being shamed publicly, ridiculed publicly. Some of you had those kind of experiences. Some of you may have been in marriage or family. And you know God's speaking to you today. You say, Lord, I want a journey on that. I want to be honest with you today and start to let you touch my heart, bring freedom to me. That's you today and you say, well, God's talking to me. I really want to just open up my heart to the Lord to start me on this journey of healing. Why don't you just come and stand and just make a row up the front and We'll just come and lay hands on you and agree with you and pray for you and believe God together for God's spirit to touch your life. Should we do that? Come on, let's just do that. If that was you, you know God's speaking. Feel free to come. We're just all a family here. We, we've all got things and stuff. But today, whatever God's speaking to you about, why don't you just come and let the Holy Ghost help you. Let God help you. Let God help you. Let the Holy Ghost help you. And this is one of your friends up here. Why don't you come and stand behind them and just put your hand on their shoulder so they're not alone as they just come and meet with God to, to bring resolution to things. Thank you, Lord. Some tissues here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Any others? Just come. Yeah, spread out across here. Thank you, Lord. We just love you, Jesus. Holy Ghost. Well, church, reach your hands out to them now. And maybe today wasn't your day, but uh, you just know there's people here and you love them. And some are really deeply being touched by the Holy Ghost. Why don't you stretch your hands out and just pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Let's just build an atmosphere now for God's Spirit to come and move. And, and, uh, and uh, please be patient. We, it'll take a little while praying for you, so many, but that's okay. We'll come and lay hands and just believe for God to do a work today that will really help you. So church, just reach your hands out to them. Don't be disconnected when others are facing a valley where they've been hurt, something that really deeply impacted them. Are we ready now? Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost. Now, I'll just lead you in a corporate prayer, first of all, and then uh, we're going to come and lay hands on you and ask just what the area is and just start to pray for you and break things off your life. So we're ready. Well, just, just with me, just lift my hands up to the Lord. And I want you to follow me in this prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Father, I renounce every generational curse, every generational iniquity, and I ask you to set me free. I renounce every inner vow I've made, every judgment I've made. And I, I renounce uh, every ungodly soul tie. And I ask you to set me free. Lord, I forgive those that have hurt me. I release them and bless them. I renounce my judgments against them. And I ask you, Lord, to help me now to set me free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, just continue to worship the Lord. If you've got any musicians, it'd be nice to have a little bit of music playing quietly. And we'll come along and just pray with each of you.
showers of mercy and grace falling on every face there is freedom freedom reigns in this place showers of mercy and grace falling on every face there is freedom with the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom The Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom Lift your eyes to heaven There is freedom So lift your eyes to heaven there is freedom For freedom reigns in this place Showers of mercy and grace Falling on every face There is Give our all to Jesus In Him this freedom We give our all to Jesus In Him this freedom But Jesus raised Showers of mercy and grace is falling on every face. In Him, this freedom. Jesus reigns in this place. of mercy and grace falling on every face there